Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 21, verse 2, it says, David answered to him, elect the priest. The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, no one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. So David lies. He flat out makes up a story to tell Ahimelech about why he's there and why he's alone. Now, you know, this really it's somewhat puzzling because it seems that David fled here because he wanted to inquire of the Lord. But maybe he really didn't. Maybe he just fled there because he knew it would be a safe place. We don't know for sure. And he may have, with this statement, been trying to protect Ahimelech, knowing that if Saul found out that he was there, then Ahimelech could deny that he knew anything David was doing because David told him this story. That may be possible. We don't really know for sure. But the truth of the matter is, is there's going to be severe consequences for this whole charade that David put up here. And you'll see that in chapter 22. So we look at David and we say, you know, David, why did you lie to the priest? I mean, I know sometimes we kind of put measure in that. So we shouldn't lie to anybody, but especially to the priest, right? I mean, that's like coming up and lying to Pastor Michael. We're going to do that. I might lie to my friend out in the sidewalk there, but not to Pastor Michael. I'm not going to do that. But we need to think about the fact that, you know, David was still very, very young at this time. And we know that at times he was very courageous. We watched that happen when he slew Goliath. And he had a lot of faith. He knew God was with him. But what we're seeing here is that David wasn't always so courageous. He wasn't always so strong in his faith. And he was young and he was still somewhat spiritually immature. In this particular case, it seems like David has been trusting in his own schemes. Remember, he kind of made up a story for Jonathan to tell. And he, you know, he kind of devised this whole scheme. And it doesn't look anywhere like he went to the Lord and said, Lord, what should I do here? Saul's trying to kill me. It seems like he just began to devise his own schemes as how to protect himself in this situation. And remember, he's already had spears thrown at him a couple of times and he was able to dodge him. God had already taken care of him. He'd protected him. But he comes up with this scheme. Well, in any case, the result of this is going to be disaster. And you're going to read about that in chapter 22. But it's interesting that despite this, and I wonder if Ahimelech kind of suspected David wasn't telling him the truth. You know, it seems like a fishy story. But the interesting thing is that Ahimelech, great-grandson of Eli, is going to still remain loyal. And, and I don't want to get too far ahead um, into 22, but we'll find out that Ahimelech was so loyal to David that he defended him before Saul and it cost him his very life. Well, getting back to um, what took place here, and I lost my place here, so now I've got to find it again. You guys forgive me for that? Um, no, we're not there yet. That would be too fast to get to verse 3 yet. Uh, <laughs> um, so, 
David comes up with his own schemes to figure out what to do here. He's, he's gone to the place of refuge to seek the Lord, but he really, it doesn't seem like he does that. It seems like he continues to come up with his, his own scheme. And you would think, actually, that David would learn from what took place in here, but we know that he really doesn't learn from this situation because we know later on that he does this once again and he comes up with a really bad scheme after he commits a sin. So David doesn't learn from this situation. So application number two is really pretty evident for us to see. And that is when we're in that time of trouble and we go, we seek refuge, we need to ask God and seek God and inquire from God and ask Him for a plan and not to devise our own scheme. I don't know about you, but you know I've been in that place and I've devised lots of schemes in my life without seeking God's guidance and direction, and they usually turn out to be the same kind of disaster that happens right here. You ever been there? You ever been in that place where you were devising your own scheme to get out of a situation? If you ever have, I mean, you guys are not nodding your head. I'm getting really nervous here, like I'm the only person that's ever done this. Well, so how do you know if you're really just devising your own scheme? Well, David gives us a good rule to follow here. If you have to sin to accomplish your goal, that's your first clue it's not a very good scheme. Okay? It's your first clue that it's a bad plan if you have to sin to accomplish it. Now, I know that we've talked a little bit about that sometimes a lie is, in a sense, okay because it's for the better goal of saving a life, right? We've talked about that. But remember, David wasn't in the immediate situation of, of being life-threatened here. There really was no reason that he couldn't have told the truth to Ahimelech and sought God's guidance here. He had time. Saul wasn't right on his heels. So it wasn't that situation. You know, God may have showed David a much better way to take care of the situation that that he was in. And if you're in that situation, and maybe some of you are even in that right now, and if you are, I hope this is speaking to you. You need to drop that scheme and go to God and figure out what God wants to do. Now, this case in particular, I'm not going to give you a personal example. I've done enough of those here, okay? But um, you might consider this. Consider the actions of a a soldier in the Civil War. He was kind of uncertain as to what to do because, you know, in the Civil War, once you stepped out on that battlefield, your life expectancy wasn't very long. So he came up with a scheme. He figured, I'm going to play this safe. And so what he did was he dressed himself in a blue coat and gray pants. And then he tiptoed out on the battlefield. And he got shot from both sides. That was a bad scheme. That was not a way probably that God would want him to do it. You see, God's always got a better way than our schemes. And sometimes, when we're going to the Lord and asking Him for that plan, sometimes the reason we don't follow his plan is because we don't want to wait for an answer. Amen? Waiting is the hardest thing, and sometimes God doesn't give us an immediate answer. Sometimes we must wait upon the Lord for the answer that he wants to give us to help us out of the situation. A drowning boy was struggling in the water. On shore stood his mother in an agony of fright and grief. 
By her side stood a strong man, seemingly indifferent to the boy's fate. Again and again did the suffering mother appeal to him to save her boy, but he made no move. By and by, the desperate struggles began to abate. The boy was losing strength. Finally, he arose to the surface, weak and helpless. At once, the strong man leaped into the stream and brought the boy in safety to the shore. Why did you not save my boy sooner, cried the now grateful mother. Madam, I could not save your boy as long as he struggled. He would have dragged us both to certain death. But when he grew weak and ceased to struggle, then it was easy to save him. You see, oftentimes the reason that we have to wait on the Lord is because we still want to do it our own way. We want to do it in our own power. We want to figure it out on our own. And it isn't until we cease that struggle that God sometimes moves. So we need to wait and we need to cease the struggling. So if we think about this and we put application one and two together, when you're in a time of desperation, a time of trouble, the best thing to do is to run to the Lord, seek refuge, and then seek His direction, wait upon Him, and then get away to proceed out of that situation. And it's interesting because, you know, God will work. Psalm 31.3, now think of this. This is David that wrote this. Psalm 31.3 says, For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You see, the reason we know that He is going to work is not just because He loves us and cares about us. He does, but it's also for His namesake. And when we wait upon Him instead of doing the scheme on our own, then He gets the glory for the result. It's for His namesake. All right, we're styling. We're already at verse 3. Okay, here we go. Verse 3, Now then, what do you have on hand? This is David speaking. Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. And remember, David had a relationship. He's not just being demanding here. Verse 4, But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as usual, whenever I set out. The men's things are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except for the bread of presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day that it was taken or taken away. All right, so what's going on here? Well, David's here. He has no food. Now, again, Ahimelech must have, you know, the suspicions must be growing here. Wait a minute. He came here. He's going to meet his guy. He's got no food. He's got nothing with him. What's wrong here? But still, Ahimelech responds to David. Um, and, and it's an interesting thing here because here's this consecrated bread. Now, that bread was there uh, for, for as the bread of presence, and then when it was replaced by the hot bread, then that bread was supposed to go to the priests, and they were to eat that bread. It was still consecrated for them. It was part of how the Lord took care um, of the priests, so it was reserved for them. The interesting thing here is, again, 
You know, as we've gone through 1 Samuel, I've mentioned several times about the spiritual uh, state of Israel and how poor it was. And this is another indication because if the people were tithing to uh, the priests the way they were supposed to, they were supposed to get 10%, they would have had bread on hand. They would have had more food on hand. And this would have never had to take place. So again, it shows that that wasn't going on there. Uh, But as always, God takes a situation and he uses this for his own purpose. It sets the table, no pun intended, uh, for an event that happens much later. If you turn over to Luke uh, chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, and verse 3, Luke chapter 6. Well, let's start in verse 1. Let's, let's set it up here. Luke chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Now it happened that he, Jesus, was passing some grain fields on a Sabbath, and his disciples were picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating the grain. But some of the Pharisees said, Why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Verse 3, And Jesus answering them said, Have you not even read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for any to eat except the priests alone, and gave it to his companions. And he was saying to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, God uses every situation, and he used this situation with David, and the fact that Ahimelech, who was the priest and could have resisted David, and said, no, 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 you can't have that, it's unlawful. Because it was unlawful. But instead, we find that there was an example here of the greater purpose that we mentioned a minute ago being met here. The greater purpose than fulfilling the law in this case was to feed David's hungry men. And so God uses that so that when this situation happens to Jesus, he can use that example and say, this is where you guys are always falling short because you're always worried about the technical part of the law more than you care about the people God has placed you to minister to. And he uses that to rebuke them again. You see, what we learn here and what we learn in Luke is that the law of love and grace is more powerful than legalism. And it's the spirit of the law that God's interested in, not often the letter of the law. So God uses this example here. In verse 7 it says, Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's head shepherd. Now this is kind of interesting because Doeg was an Edomite, meaning he wasn't a true Israelite. Okay, But it says here that he was detained before the Lord, so it may be that he was a believer. Now why was he there? Was it coincidence? Or had Saul maybe sent out spies everywhere to try and find David, which I think that he had. I think there's indication that he had done that. Was that the reason Doeg was there? We don't know for sure. But David knew one thing. He knew for sure that Doeg was going to go ahead and report his presence there. So, now what does David have to do? Again, he hasn't really sought the Lord here. We don't see anything about inquiring of Ahimelech. Ahimelech, I came to you to inquire of God for me as to what to do next. 
Instead, he just orders Ahimelech around again here. So verse 8, David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's business was urgent. Now by this time, Ahimelech's got to be going, wait a minute here. This is really wrong. David says he's going to meet his guys. He's got no food and he's got no weapons. Something is seriously amiss here. And yet, Ahimelech continues to help David in this situation. Verse 9. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here, is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Now, how ironic is this? Here's David fleeing Saul, the one who he represented in going and slaying Goliath. And remember back when he slayed Goliath, remember Saul, who was a big guy himself, but not nearly as big as Goliath. Remember Saul tried to give him his armor, and David couldn't wear it. It was too big. It was too bulky. So now here he is, and he's going to get the sword of the nine, ten-foot giant that he killed. I mean, I can imagine, here it is, there's none like it. I can imagine David's going, yeah, there's none like it. I don't know what he was going to do with that. I don't know how that was going to help him, but he took it anyway. I mean, it's how ironic is that? But even more ironic is what happens next. Verse 10, that day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of where? Gath. So here's David fleeing from Saul, who should love him for him killing Goliath. And here he goes to Achish with Goliath's sword dragging behind him. Doesn't make a lot of sense. You've got to kind of think, what was David thinking at this point? I love it, though, because it kind of helps us to think about some of the schemes we've had, and I'm sure you've all looked back like I have and go, what in the world was I thinking? Well, verse 11, it says, But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Verse 12, David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. Now that's kind of interesting because as I first read those words where they knew who David was and were singing that, I have a feeling that they weren't singing it in a way that says, oh, well, we, you know, he's here and now we can kill him. I think they might have been thinking, hey, What's this guy doing here? I mean, he killed Goliath and he's slain his ten thousands. They were probably thinking he was up to no good there and who knows who else he's got with him. But even though they may have been afraid, David is more afraid. He began to fear the king of Gath. 
So you can see right now something that's happening to David. You know, as we said before, David wasn't a perfect man. And he was still a young man. And he'd had a tremendous victory. But we can see here how that faith that he had is now by the circumstances that he's being thrown into, it's now turned to fear. First he's fearing Saul. Now he's fearing Achish. So even though he knew that God was the one that had delivered him from Goliath, he's now operating in fear. It kind of reminds you of Elijah, doesn't it? Remember Elijah had that great victory over the prophets of Baal, and next thing you know, he's running away from Jezebel. I think that speaks to us, doesn't it? It lets us know that when we have big victories in our Christian walk, it doesn't mean we've arrived there. It means look out because something else might happen and, and we might operate in fear ourselves. You know, the fear isn't unfounded here at all. I mean, in a natural sense, David should be afraid. He's in a, in a tough spot. But neither was the fear that his countrymen had when they were not wanting to face Goliath. It wasn't unfounded then either. But David didn't fear in that situation. He absolutely had no fear. He had complete faith that God was going to take care of him in that situation. And it's interesting because in this case, when you really think about it, I mean, yes, we can see that in a natural sense he should have some fear. But remember this. David knows that he's already been anointed the king of Israel. He's been told. Was David possibly thinking that God would not fulfill his promise to him? Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Well, wait a minute, who wrote that? David wrote that. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. David had been exalted because of his victory over Goliath. And he of all people should know that if he's going to operate in fear, it's going to bring a snare, and it already has. So application number three for us tonight. And I believe this is really important for us tonight here at Living Truth and for all Christians in America. We cannot operate in fear, brothers and sisters. And at this time in our country, we have reasons to be afraid. Our fear would not be unfounded, just like David's fear was not unfounded at this time. We can see a lot of things going on, and we can, it's obvious right now that we're headed towards persecution of the church. If you haven't seen that, I don't know what you've been reading or watching uh, recently here. But it is coming to America. And so we need to make a decision. Are we going to operate in fear or are we going to operate in faith? What you and I believe right now is going to be put to the test like it never has been before in our country. So we're going to have to ask ourselves some questions. Do, 
Do we really believe Jesus when he says to us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? We're going to find out if we're really going to operate in faith. Because we are going to face persecution. Are we going to respond? And I know just by being on Facebook how many of us want to respond right now. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, A Revealing Look at God's Armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style, and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks. Each piece of armor reflects God himself. He's the God of truth. He's righteous. He's the God of peace. All the pieces of the armor point to him. And they point to his provision to you, the believer, because he loves you. The reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father. He knows about the spiritual battle. He knows about the enemy. And he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation. Suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's now available on Amazon. I want to get this book in your hands because I believe it's going to help you as a Christian to walk in strength, to know how to put on the armor daily, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, and to experience more victory in your Christian life. Right now, you can get it on Amazon. It's Suit Up by Pastor Michael Lance. I would urge you to get the book today. If you want to give a donation directly to Living Truth Radio, send us an email and we'll get the book into your hands as our gift to you for a donation to the radio ministry. LivingTruthRadio.org is the radio website. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening. And we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out, and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.